Hello, beautiful listeners. It's me, Akaila. I don't know why I did that in a Mario voice. That was weird. <laughs> Out of left field. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, so this is our um, flashback episode to everyone's listener favorite about Super Mario Brothers. Do you think Mario is ever mentioned on Gilmore Girls? Honestly, wouldn't put it past him, but I can't say that's ever been on our short list of things to consider recording about. No, we haven't come across it yet. Well, we're having a little rebroadcast today, and it's uh, it's relevant because we thought you all needed a little refresher on some a favorite person in the Gilmore Girls universe, Gilmore Girls in real life universe, Dorothy Parker. And so we're gonna we're rebroadcasting our Dorothy Parker and Don Powell episode to amazing comedic ladies, much like Taylor and I. Mm-hmm. Um, because next episode, what are we talking about, Taylor? <sighs> Sorry, we don't sing. Uh, <laughs> we are talking about a star is born. Which we do touch on in this episode. We Mm -hmm. actually talked about it because I watched the 1937 version that Dorothy Parker helped write, but this was only in season two, I believe, when we were discussing this bad boy. Now Mm -hmm. we're in season five. There's a way more specific reference to A Star is Born. And honestly, I kind of need to flash back and re-listen to this episode, too. And refresh myself on the Dorothy and Don controversy, the Algonquin round table, uh, who else we got? I mean, there's a whole bunch of cool people that were in this. And by the way, we didn't talk about this last week, but Groucho Marx hung out with the Algonquin round table. And then we decided to do this episode and I was like, why did I not mention that? (laughs) So there you go. There's your transition from the last episode to this episode. And Dorothy Parker, like we mentioned in the episode, is the namesake for Amy Sherman Palladino's production company. So pretty important person. So definitely take a listen if you haven't listened to this episode already. And uh, we'll be back with a brand new episode next time. Mm-hmm. We also did some super cool interviews with experts on Don and Dorothy, and we will link to that episode in our show notes. As a reminder, that episode has interviews with Tim Page, who wrote in who wrote a biography of Don Powell, and Kevin Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. who is the head honcho over at the Dorothy Parker Society. Yeah. Those are really fun to do. Something Mm -hmm. different. Yes. So enjoy. Hello and welcome to So It's a Show, a podcast where we are not podcasters with a Gilmore Girls problem. We are Gilmore Girls with a podcasting problem. I'm Taylor. And I'm Kyla. And welcome to our next episode. I'm a little confused by the intro. Oh, we'll get there. Trust <laughs> me. Okay, I, I always do. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, relationships are built on trust, right? This is true. This mm-hmm. is true. This is true. And relationships are built on a mutual appreciation for amazing shows and amazing creators of those shows. Am mm-hmm. I right? 
I would concur, and I know exactly where you're going with this. You got you got me, huh? Uh huh. Congratulations, Amy Sherman Belladino! And the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel! Yes, Emmys 2018. Amy Sherman Palladino got not one, but two Emmys. And first woman to have both of those awards. And not just in a single year, but to have received Best Comedy Directing, Best Comedy Writing ever. And she got them in a single year, which... That's impressive. Like, literally back-to-back in the Mm -hmm. award show. Like, she had just run off the stage with one Emmy, and then she came back to get another. Yeah. Yeah. That is so cool. We will definitely share an article about this in our Tumblr, which is Mm -hmm. awesome. And we got to see it together. Well, we turned on the Emmys in the middle because also serious accomplishment in Kyla Carnero's life. What movie did you watch for the first time this week? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes! So (laughs) after that movie wrapped, we then watched History Being Made. We Actually, we didn't really watch History Being Made because we missed Amy Sherman Palladino's wins. Yes. But we did watch them win Best Comedy at the end of the night, which was awesome. That was amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. And Alex Borstein, like you said, she won Best Supporting Mm -hmm. Actress in a Comedy. Rachel Brosnahan, Best Lead Actress in a Comedy. I mean, Emmys on Emmys on Emmys. Yeah, that was awesome. So then the Emmy for Best Show, does that go to Amy? Like, who gets to keep that? Well, there's, it would go to the producers, which I believe is Amy. Although Daniel gave the acceptance speech there. Yes, she was like, I've already given two. I know. So let's, you Why know, do I need a third let one? Daniel have his moment to shine, too. Because I think we do give her a lot of credit, but he's also in there. He has been in the whole shebang the whole right. time. Yeah, because he wrote two of the seasons of A Year in the Life. Mm-hmm. Two middle. He was a writer on Gilmore Girls originally. He's been a writer mm-hmm. and, I believe, also a director on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel as well. Yeah, and she gave such a... Sweet shout out to him. Mm-hmm. I love that. When yes. two people are partners, you know? It's nice. And it felt very validating to our podcast, I would say, too. The yes. Sid to oh, my her goodness. Nancy. Can't believe I haven't said that yet. The Sid to her Nancy. It's not Nick and Nora. This was Sid and Nancy, and I'm not going And to... I want to thank um, my husband, Daniel Palladino. You are the Sid to my Nancy, mister. And um... We covered that this season. Yeah, we did. Episode 205, baby. (laughs) I am so excited about that. So way to go. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Also won Outstanding Casting for a Comedy Series. And Outstanding Single Camera Picture Editing for a Comedy Series. Great. We need to state it a a little bit more. How important... Amy Sherman Palladino's acceptance speech was because she used a reference in her speech, you know, that was Mm -hmm. used in Gilmore Girls. And it just says she is thinking these through. These are all thoughtful. Therefore, us re-talking about them, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to figure them out makes perfect sense. It's it's real. It's not just randomized. Yeah, it is very validating. We're not just making weird connections these really are pop culture references she uses in her life and they mean something to her so that's pretty awesome thanks amy yeah thanks amy 
and Dan. Sid to the Nancy. And Dan, yes, yes. <laughs> thank you, Sid. Uh. Well, speaking of super awesome, hilarious female writers, we got a pair to talk about today, don't we? And I want you to know, I am extra ready to discuss today. Oh, boy. I have been... I have a surprise for you, Kyla. I've been wearing a sweater intentionally because now I need to show you what I bought at Target today. And it's something that just was inevitable. It would show up in my cart at some point. If it wasn't today, (laughs) it would have been another day. Gilmore Girls! Yes! I finally bought that Gilmore Girls t-shirt that I've been passing and looking at at Target for months. (laughs) It was only a matter of time, and there was an extra 20% off cartwheel today. Mm. So today was the day. Today was the day. Mm Mm-hmm. So I am not only mentally ready, I am... What is... Is it physically ready? No, that's not the right word. I am fashionably ready. I am sure I'm visually ready. I look ready, basically. You do look ready. <laughs> the episode of Gilmore Girls we're discussing today is Gilmore Girls 220, Help Wanted. And it is not on LinkedIn, because let's remember, this is the early 2000s. <laughs> IMDb plot summary. Lorelai helps her dad open his new office and gets the cold shoulder when she tells him she has a job already. Pause. That's a (laughs) weird sentence. Basically, he gets miffed when she's like, Dad, I can't stay here all the time with you. I have another job. Which is weird. Thank you, IMDb summary writer. But not the whole point of the, yeah. (laughs) That was a weird way to say it. Unpause. Rory tries to let everyone know Jess wasn't the only one at fault for the accident, and with a new music store in town, Lane discovers her new love. (laughs) Stop. That's the end. Music is not a new love for Lane. Well, but more specifically, the drums. Touché. But I don't think it's that surprising, considering how much she loves music. Yeah, but did she know that she was going to be a musician? I don't know. That's a great way. I never thought about it. Just in my head, Lane is mm-hmm. a musician. Right. But before this episode, she wasn't. Instrument. You're right. Good point. And that is a big change in her future. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Lane, this is our first Lane reference. She and Rory together drop this reference as they are leaving the bookstore in Stars Hollow. Don Powell? I've never heard of her. Nobody has, which is a shame because she wrote 16 amazing novels, nine plays, and there are some who actually claim that it was Powell who made the jokes that Dorothy Parker got credit for. Blasphemy. I know. I'm trying not to hold it against Don, though, until I have proof that she was involved with the whole smear campaign. So, Taylor, had you also never heard of Don Powell? Uh, definitely not. What about Dorothy Parker? Well, I have to be honest. I had heard of Dorothy Parker because for about 40 episodes, I'd been seeing Dorothy Parker Drink Here Productions at the end of each Gilmore Girls episode. Oh, you noticed that. And (laughs) that is about all I know about Dorothy Parker the first time I watched this. So she's a little bit significant to one Amy Sherman Palladino, I would say. And as we just discussed, she picks her pop culture references intentionally. 
which mm-hmm. is basically the whole thesis of this podcast, would you say? Yes, I would <laughs> say so. And I think we've been proven correct. Yeah, it's very validating to all this time we've put into this project. Thanks, mm-hmm. Amy. <laughs> yeah. So are, we, are you saying you know almost as much as I do? <laughs> Even less, because I did not notice uh, mm. Dorothy Parker Productions. Well, noticing and actually doing research and understanding <laughs> are two different things. Yeah. Well, I did neither. So I, I knew nothing about Don Pal, Dorothy Parker. And frankly, because Rory was sharing about it, I was not surprised that I had never heard of an author because Rory knows a lot of authors. So yes. she's more likely to know about one than I am. Even though when she shows up at Harvard... She feels very intimidated by all the books in the library. And she's like, I've only read, what is it, like 300 books or something ridiculous. Yes. Which I think she's definitely lowballing there considering how many books we've seen yeah. her read in just a season and some change at that point. Because how many books, I'm not an avid reader. How many books do avid readers read like a month? Like two? One? I think more than that. I know some Three? people have a book a week challenge. <gasps> I've seen on Pinterest and social media. I'm a casual reader for pleasure. Mm-hmm. I often read the news. I often read textbooks when I'm in school, and I'm not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm not an avid reader either. No. So if she read, let's say, 40, 40 books a year, and she started when she was like, I don't know, eight, mm-hmm. eight. And she's 18, so that'd be 400. So, yeah, she's read more. That's a lot of books. And we might even be lowballing it. Yeah, that's more books than I've read. I am 100% certain. (laughs) Same. Maybe we should kick it off with not our favorite kickoff segment, but with the first person mentioned in this reference. Diggity dog dog don. <laughs> I don't know where these things come out of our mouths. Oh, I just a nickname for every day. I love. I appreciate it. Nicknames. Let's go, K Town. <laughs> All right, T Town. Don. So I was given the author Don to research because. Let me tell you, little Miss Taylor mm-hmm. knew a tiny bit about Dorothy, had looked the, had looked them up real quick and realized she had a vested interest in, in learning about Dorothy. Oh, I did. And so we'll get just, to that. She just kicked poor little under-known, underappreciated Dawn Powell over to me. And you know what? I'm not mad about it. Not anymore. Because now I can appreciate Dawn Powell <laughs> just like Rory does. Says the girl who said she literally did not care which person she researched. <laughs> so go ahead and pick Taylor if you want. Um, we have no recording of that. Um, so I think my mom was in the room. We can prove Dang it. it. <laughs> so Rory says that she wrote 16 novels, 9 plays, and that's about right. Some I've read 13 novels, 15 novels, 16 novels, 9 plays, 10 plays. It's somewhere around there, though. Google gave me a bunch more, but, you know, there's different editions of... But we can all agree she wrote novels and plays. Yes. 
between in 13 multiple. and 16 novels, between 9 and 10 plays. So, I would probably, say there's a ballpark figure. For there sure. is a very close ballpark figure. She wrote a handful <laughs> and then short stories and articles, and those got printed other places. <laughs> That's how it happens. <laughs> She wrote a lot of satire. She wrote about life in New York. She wrote about people in New York. Very realistic. So sometimes people felt like because she was so realistic, wasn't as interesting. But then also people were pretty realistic. They're just their mindsets were too. Her characters were. And so I was like, eh, not super exciting. So she was not very well known. She wasn't well known before she died. She wasn't very well known after she died, until 1995. And we'll get to that, but for now. She was from Ohio. She was born in... She often would tell people that she was born in, in 1897, but most documents say she was born in 1896. So I don't know why she was really holding to that one year younger. I mean, why not go for five, ten years younger than what you really are? But she just wanted to be one year younger. So, you Interesting. know. Enjoy Dawn. Mm-hmm. But she lived in New York most of her life. Married a, eh, not a great guy, alcoholic. But she drank too, so probably both were a little off. And they had one son, and at the time, they thought he was mentally unstable. Probably just had autism. But that wasn't diagnosed back then. So they didn't know, like, we know so much more about how functional people with autism can be and live out their lives. Mm -hmm. So he was in and out of hospitals and such. So that was hard on her. She did not have the greatest, chillest life. That's for sure. By the time she died, all but one of her books were out of print. Hmm. So that's kind of sad. Don Powell, everyone. So... (laughs) (laughs) But Rory liked her, so there's got to be more. Other writers liked her, it seemed, more than readers. So she, while she didn't have commercial success, she was respected in the writing community. Her books were reviewed, were taken seriously. Some people definitely wrote negative reviews, but other people wrote positive reviews. So, you know, just not a book, though, that a Rory of the time would have told her friend Lane. Hmm. to read so anyways didn't have the internet right couldn't find her niche audience maybe true but Ernest Hemingway liked her he once deemed Powell his favorite living writer hmm. pretty that's legit. pretty cool and he was a man of few words so to get any of his words is pretty significant that's true even if he said he hated you it would be an <laughs> honor because he had so few words mm-hmm. to share much like Eminem in Kamikaze all those rappers who he dissed were, like, so excited that he even knew they existed. <laughs> I watched a video of one. Hilarious. He was like, he just called me out. Yes. Wow. I am not in the loop on Eminem hot gossip. So <laughs> we're going to have to put that in our Tumblr so I can figure out what you're talking uh-huh. about. Dropping the references on Taylor for once. Don didn't like Ernest Hemingway, though. She ridiculed him, his writing, his whole mystique. She was not a fan of, so that's pretty, I want to say, she was like, oh, you like me, and you're one of few people giving me recognition? Well, I think your writing sucks. All right. Okay. So she's speaking her her (laughs) truth. She was often compared to Dorothy Parker, which, Mm. just like in this Go and Girls episode, Powell didn't really like that comparison. 
Shade. Shade. Major shade. When Dawn died, this is how, like, pragmatic she was. So you can just, like, imagine her writing. She donated her body to the Cornell Department of Anatomy. Mm-hmm. So, like, very much, oh, yeah, it's just my, my body here. Study it. Like, no, no real emotion to that. Sure, why not? And then her literary executor had the rest of her remains interred in a mass grave on Hart Island alongside the city's unclaimed homeless, prison inmates, stillborn ba- babies, and criminally insane. So they just, like, put the rest of her in a mass grave. Which seems very odd and a little disrespectful. Like, not to say, oh, well, she shouldn't be buried with those types of people. But just, like, if she is known and has people who are taking care of her assets, why why not give her her own gravesite? These are questions I do not know the answer to. <laughs> but no, no tombstone for don powell sorry if you wanted to visit that (laughs) and not have an experience yeah you can't have the experience my language arts teacher had at edgar Allan poe's grave that i mentioned a while back oh yeah this is our ghost story i believe this was in our winchester mystery house episode yeah remember she said she saw a man in a black coat who talked to her while she was at Edgar Allan Poe's grave, and when she left, everybody else with her said they did not see him. Freaky. Yeah. Just saying. What if there's, though, what if that's just a guy who dresses up like Edgar Allan Poe and goes and talks to people who go um, to his gravesite? Honestly, let's out. be real. That's possible, because we do know from Gilmore Girls that people might like to dress up like Edgar Allan Poe. Yep. We did learn that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, you will not see Don Powell in exactly that same particular strange situation. Because there is no gravestone for her. No, it'd be hard to find Mm -hmm. where she rests. So that same uh, execution of her estate, not great. For about 30 years, publishers, critics, students were asking her for Don's unpublished diaries, manuscripts... Any Mm -hmm. random scrap of writing that they have. But the lady was just kind of like, eh, busy with her own life. So Mm -hmm. no one got it. And then this dude, Tim Page. He was a Washington Post classical music critic at the time. He read a review of one of her old writings, picked it up, became, just fell in love with her writing. So he was like, people should know about this lady. So he... Finally got all of the manuscripts, diaries, all of that released and bought them for thirty about $35,000, 10 of which he borrowed from his mom. So he's like dedicated. This was in, when wait, he was in his... Wait, do you mean 10000 Yeah, 10000 of which. Which is reasonable, <laughs> but in my head when you first said that, I was like, wow, he spent $35,000 and he only borrowed $10 from his mom? <laughs> That's incredible. Back to 10, Mom. <laughs> uh, no, a little, little more than that. And he spent like a second career getting her works republished. And he talks about his Asperger's syndrome causing him to be obsessive. And mm-hmm. so he talks about like he just felt like he had 
to edit these. And I mean, he edited her diaries, her letters. Wow. And got them published. She wrote her entire biography. Whoa. In 1995. So, like, dedication. Yeah. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. Got some of her works back into print. And in this, this New Yorker article says that Powell earned a level of cultural cachet as a result of Paige's efforts. And uh, they reference one particular instance that proves this. Rory Gilmore, the smarty pants college intellectual in the popular sitcom Gilmore Girls, once called Powell her favorite underground writer. She made the jokes that Dorothy Parker got credit for. So, thanks to Tim Page, Rory Gilmore talked about Don Powell and therefore Dorothy Parker. Mm-hmm. We actually got to talk to Tim Page. And we're going to have a full bonus up next week with our full interview with him. But here's a little something he had to say about his love of Don Powell. And the show, have you ever seen it, first of all? I, I certainly have. When oh. when they first mentioned Don <laughs> about 2001, 2002, or 2003... Jack Sherman was still living. Her niece, Carol Worsler, was still living. Her cousin, Rita Sherman, was still living. And I let them all know about it. I got a copy of the, the show, and they were very, very happy. You, you cannot believe how happy and awesome. grateful they were for some, some nice recognition of the woman that they all still called Aunt Dawn. <laughs> That's I, I that was a pleasant surprise that you so you saw that episode that we are, are talking about. I did the, the the first one. I think she's been back a couple of times, and uh, I I don't get to watch a whole lot of TV, but I enjoyed the show. It struck me as very bright and very interesting, and I was awfully glad to see Dawn get some credit. And so was the family. Everybody was ecstatic. Oh, I love that. Well, I hope Amy Sherman Palladino, the creator of Gilmore Girls, will listen to this so she can know how much <laughs> it meant. <laughs> Tim, he had all these works. He had all the you know original documents, all of these diaries, old little notebooks, and he wanted to sell them. And so put on this website, and I think he put them for sale for $500,000 for the whole collection. And... No one was really interested. Hmm. The diaries are now at the Rare Book and Manuscript Library in Columbia University. It just kind of seemed to work out that they went to Columbia. So, still, she has a legacy problem, as the New Yorker put it. it she's she was brought back into our consciousness, but then drifted back away. So, made an impact on some people, major impact. But on others, went unnoticed. A little bit of a mystery why. Mm -hmm. You know, people have given some reasons. Work was too realistic, straightforward. But I'm not sure. Well, I will say, not to jump in on your commentary on Don Powell, even though I know you were dying to talk about her. I don't want to jump in about that. <laughs> But I will say it. I found another article in researching Don and Dorothy. This is from The Atlantic, actually September 2001. So this is a conversation right around the same time Gilmore Girls was doing this. Mm. And 
In this article, it says, anyone who reads Powell from beginning to end will find an inexplicably strange au revoir, as if Parker had from time to time actually retreated from the highballs and wisecracks in the Algonquin Hotel and written half a dozen novels in the purest Granny Wilkins vein. So this is almost saying, like, Parker wrote Don Powell, hmm. saying that there's just a very strange collection of work credited to her. And hmm. Powell's novels fall into two groups so utterly unalike that it is hard to believe the books were written by the same person. In the 15 novels, so this person's saying 15, <laughs> from 1922 to 1962, two worlds, two entirely different ways of thinking and feeling emerge. And so basically... There's just all sorts of all over the place. They're exquisitely judged, time celebrations of intoxication and poison in which malice, ruthless ambition, or a fascinatingly odd sexual preference has a tendency to creep out after one late nine bourbon too many. <laughs> and that was just one style. And then she also had blissful screwball comedies or highball comedies, they say that you might call it. And so... Mm -hmm. There's a series of sad Ohio pastorals of loneliness and innocence. And I am trying, I know I'm reading a lot of this article, but it's very hard to paraphrase these specific descriptions. Right. So it sounds like Don Powell's work varied a lot too. So uh, to your point, I think this Atlantic writer supports that. Yeah. And I read that article too, and she gives a couple paragraphs of the beginning of one of the books, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And it was, her writing was lovely. I mean, I was drawn in. She is an excellent writer from those two paragraphs. I mean, that's only two paragraphs, but still the beginning of a book. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. cool. What? So I have not read a Dom Powell book. I will say that. We are a pop culture podcast and books that's that's a that'd be a lot yeah it would be a little much to try and read a new book i know some people can do it you avid readers some people go can. ahead and judge us <laughs> i will fully accept the judgment it's just not something unless it's short and sweet and that's not to say i have finished books in less than a week before but it has to be just mm -hmm. the right book yeah or like the third in the series mm, yes yeah so I have been so curious though to hear about Dorothy because I want to understand why these two are similar. So tell me. Well, Kyla, get ready because as you were, I kid you not, as you were talking, I kept thinking, oh my gosh, that's just like Dorothy Powell. I mean, oh. look, see now I'm combining them in my head. That's just like <laughs> Dorothy Parker. And it is not just because of their initials, DP. <laughs> and they are not directors of photography, to be clear. That's another thing DP can stand for. Ah. They lived similar times. Dorothy was born in 1893. Side note, on August 22nd, one day before my birthday. I I also share with Barbara Eden of I Dream of Jeannie, we realized after we recorded. Just saying. <laughs> there are some cool people born in August. And she also had a pretty tragic life and she lived about the oh. same length of time she died in 1967 which is only i think about two years different than don powell yeah right and they were born yeah. about two years apart so lived at the similar time same time almost exactly <laughs> she had a pretty rough childhood she lost her mom dad and stepmom by the oh. time she was 20 in 1913 
Dawn so, also lost her family very quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was just a lot of stuff that was hard in her early years, and things continue to be hard later in life, too. Um, we'll get to that in a second. She actually started writing pretty early on, though. In 1914, she sold her first poem. Two years mm-hmm. later, she was working at Vogue. And then a year after that, she became a drama critic for Vanity Fair. And so she was the first female critic on Broadway. How cool is that? Wow. Go Dorothy. Yeah. And this is not something referenced explicitly in Gilmore Girls. But as I was reading this, I realized this same thing. I think I would not be surprised. Can I just build up the tension more? I'll bet you anything... Amy Sherman Palladino pulled this story from Dorothy Parker's life and made it a story in Rory Gilmore's life. (laughs) Shut up. What is Uh it? So as this critic for Vanity Fair, she was actually fired from this position because her reviews were so harsh. (laughs) Just like that time Rory wrote that terrible review of the Mm -hmm. ballet dancer at Yale and got a die jerk on her, written on her door. Yes. And it says she was discharged from Vanity Fair in 1920 for the acerbity of her drama reviews. So she had to become a freelance writer. And she could not resist a wisecrack. This is the thing that got her fired. She couldn't resist a wisecrack at the expense of actress Billy Burke, wife of one of the magazine's biggest advertisers. Oh, Yeah. Ouch. So she had a reputation as a harsh critic, (laughs) kind of making jokes at the expense of someone else, just like Rory did in Mm -hmm. a future episode of Gilmore Girls. So when she was a freelance writer, she continued to write in magazines like New Yorker and Life magazine. So there's another connection. I know you were reading from the New Yorker, but, you know, (laughs) another connection there. And one of the things that she's most famous for is that in 1919, she co-founded the Algonquin Roundtable at the Algonquin Hotel, which was a regular group of writers meeting together to talk about their work in New York. So a couple people that are well-known or semi-well-known, Harpo Marx was in this, of the Marx Brothers, James Mm. Thurber, Robert Benchley. The BBC called them the ultimate in crowd, the informal oh. literary luncheon club. And <laughs> I know, how cool would it be to be part of that? Yeah, like the Beats or... Yeah, kind of like Jack Kerouac and Allen Ginsberg. And then that group that included C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien, what were they called? The Inklings. Uh, yeah. I have been to that little pub, too. That cool. They would Yes, the eagle and child, and had fish and chips there. Lovely. Yes. The 1920s were her peak writing phase. She was super busy in this time. She had her first collection of poetry published in 1926, and it became a bestseller. She also became friends with F. Scott Fitzgerald and Ernest Hemingway, whom you named dropped. There we go. (laughs) And she also started doing some screenwriting that went into the 1930s. And the most significant of these 
is the 1937 movie A Star is Born, which you (gasps) might be somewhat familiar with because right around the time we're dropping this episode, the remake with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper is coming out. Nice. Yeah. And so that'll be the third remake. There was also a 1954 remake with Judy Garland. There was a 1970s version with Barbara Streisand. Ew. And then now 2018 with Lady Gaga. Nice. We'll get to that, though, because I did watch that movie. But just to keep going on with Dorothy's life, when I want to give you the full background. I also like this description from the BBC. It's like a pretty good overview of her story. So we talked a little bit about Dawn's style all over the place. The BBC says her stories feature female characters trying to square exhilarating new choices with the enduring constraints of societal expectation. Some Mm. of her heroines are lovelorn, suicidal alcoholics, but others are undeniably strong characters. Temporarily untethered by the hedonistic 20s, their lives embrace contradictions and challenges only too familiar to 21st century women. Mm. Feels kind of consistent with the Gilmore Girls and Marvel's Mrs. Maisel aesthetic, you think? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to talk a little bit more about the alcoholism, that is definitely something she struggled with as well. Mm. And she once quipped... That she wasn't a writer with a drinking problem. She's a drinker with a writing problem. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Way to own your issues? Yeah. She was a very witty person. That's kind of what she was known for. But behind the scenes, she had two marriages. Both of her husbands died of drug overdoses. And her second husband, the one she did work with, they wrote A Star is Born together. She, hey, Amy Sherman Palladino and Don Palladino. Daniel Palladino. I know. Uh-huh. That's another. Oh, I didn't think about that one. <laughs> she also struggled with her own substance abuse problems and depression. She attempted suicide twice in her life. Oof. And as she grew older, she actually started disowning quotes that are, were attributed to her. And she became really dismissive of her own work. Like... She was very insecure about it, and she made comments about how, like, even negative comments about the Algonquin Roundtable, saying, like, Fitzgerald and Hemingway didn't want to come. So who are we to say Hmm. that we're any good? Hmm. So just as she got older, I think she just continued to struggle, which is, like, that's just heavy. But she also became really active in politics. She actually got into issues with the blacklist if you are familiar with the red scare she was left leaning and she reported from the spanish civil war and she also kind of just because she was left leaning she people didn't really want to work with her because they were Mm. afraid she was associated with communism Hmm. she also this is kind of a It's not a funny story because of the situation, but it's a little funny in retrospect. In 1927, she was fined $5 for, quote-unquote, sauntering in Boston because she was protesting the execution of anarchists Sacco and Vanzetti. And, yeah. And I actually just recently listened, coincidentally, to another podcast about Sacco and Vanzetti. (laughs) they were executed after a really shady trial. Like, they Mm. did not speak English well, and so they, like, maybe were involved in this murder that happened, but basically it was a terrible, the way this trial was conducted was terrible. So she was protesting what, 
basically everyone today considers a miscarriage of justice because they were not given Mm. a fair trial. And she was also a very in favor of civil rights and she was in favor of equality there, which that's a really cool thing. And actually like you had a story about what happened to Don Powell's remains. Mm -hmm. So she left her literary estate to Martin Luther King Jr. And then, yeah, he died very shortly after. So it ended up with the NAACP and they have her ashes. Uh, (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So there were just some weird parallels Dorothy and Don had in their life. And mm-hmm. and now it, she is at an NAACP office in Maryland, I think. Okay. Usually people's remains and what happens to them, not an interesting story. But for these two women, definitely. It's true. <laughs> yes. Her friend Lillian Hellman spoke in her eulogy and she said she was part of nothing and nobody except herself. It was this independence of mind and spirit that was her true distinction. Nice. Definitely an independent lady. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to also share a few quips that she's well known for because she is a very witty lady that she's, she just said a few of these things throughout her life. And I was kind of chuckling as I was reading them, even without context. So if you guys are familiar with the United States president, Calvin Coolidge, he did not speak much. He was a very, a man, a few words, maybe like Ernest Hemingway. Mm-hmm. And when he died, <laughs> She is said to have asked, how can they tell? (laughs) Because he spoke so little (laughs) that she was like, how do we even know he's dead? (laughs) Oh, my word. She actually reviewed one Catherine Hepburn, who we have agreed is a great actress. Mm -hmm. She was not impressed, though. (laughs) And she was reviewing her performance in a 1934 play, and she said that Catherine Hepburn ran the gamut of emotions from A to B. Oof. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Also, if you've ever heard the little couplet, men seldom make passes at girls who wear glasses, that's from uh-huh. Dorothy Parker. Okay. I've heard that one. Mm-hmm. Brevity is the soul of lingerie. Also from Dorothy Parker. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know what God thinks of money, just look at the people he gave it to. Ouch. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And this is a little bit sadder, I think, but I think this gives you, it's a clever way to say something in it of itself. But later in her life, when she was talking about how she didn't really believe in her own work, she said, I was following in the exquisite footsteps of Miss Edna St. Vincent Millay, unhappily in my own horrible sneakers. <laughs> but even mm. then she was witty when she was dissing herself. Yes. So I guess she couldn't diss out. She was not dishing out what she couldn't take. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Dawn had a few quotes that I picked up, but not funny, but I think they give a little bit insight into who she is. Mm. Well, this one, I don't know, it's funny, but it's it's how she felt. All Americans come from Ohio originally, if only briefly. <laughs> I mean, she's from Ohio. I don't know. She's not lots of people are like her. <laughs> I went there for a weekend. Don't know if that counts. Um, I'm not sure. (laughs) Hold fast to whatever fragments of love that exist, for sometimes a mosaic is more beautiful than an unbroken pattern. Wow. I feel like that's kind of, that's not very hopeful, though. 
hopeful that you can get a full love by itself and not have to piece love together. And then another, and I talked about how her books were so realistic that people were like, eh, not mm-hmm. as interesting. But here's what she thought about realism. Satire is people as they are. Romanticism, people as they would like to be. Realism, people as they seem with their insides left out. Hmm. So I'm like, have to crunch on that one. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think what I get from that is real you don't see the real often enough and so when you get to that it's people with their insides out like Hmm. you're really seeing who they are got it oh when you said that i was originally thinking their insides missing like their insides are not oh they're out of them there's nothing in there but i like the way you're thinking of it better probably meaning they're exposed instead of yeah absent (laughs) yeah That's the memorable quotes. Yes. They were both ladies who had a way with words. Women who had a way with words, you might say, if you want to practice Mm -hmm. your alliteration. (laughs) We also, ta-da, have another interview to supplement that we will tease now because we want you to keep listening to our show. You don't get it all tonight or today (laughs) or whenever you're listening at Second Breakfast. We talked to Kevin Fitzpatrick. Of the one and only Dorothy Parker Society in New York City. How cool is that? She's got a whole society. And he is, I mean, he's the guy in charge of this thing. So he knows quite a bit about Dorothy Parker. And just so you know, they do walking tours in New York City of the areas that Dorothy Parker lived in. And I know at least once in the past... They did a Dorothy Parker and Don Powell walking tour. Oh. These two women, they just go together. Mm-hmm. So they were bringing... This was with Kevin Fitzpatrick and Patricia Palermo, who also wrote a book about Don Powell and her New York novels. Mm. And so right here in the description of this walking tour, they had both writers share many similarities. Among them, they both wrote for The New Yorker. And Parker lacked the discipline to write a novel and focused on short fiction, poetry, and criticism. (laughs) And the age difference was only three years. They are both members of the New York State Writers Hall of Fame. And they both have plaques outside their residences in Manhattan. These ladies have some overlap. Uh Uh-huh. So I think we're ready to talk about how this reference fits into the world of Gilmore Girls. I think we need to continue that conversation. Let's start talking about it instead of just talking about these ladies' biographies, even though <laughs> they got all sorts of interesting factoids. So, I noticed something, Taylor. My investigative side came out mm-hmm. as I was watching this episode. Because you can actually see the book that Lane Kim is holding. <gasps> really? I didn't mm-hmm. catch that. Well, I saw the image on the front, so I used my Googling skills and found the same image. Cover of Dawn's book, Dawn Powell, novels 1930 to 1942, which includes her stories Dance Night, Come Back to Sorrento, Turn, Magic Wheel, Angels on Toast, and A Time to be Born. Mm, I would love to try Angels on Toast. It sounds like a great brunch food. 
I mean, <laughs> yes. Maybe like a whipped cream or something. Mm. So it looks like Lane was about to get a broad look at Dawn. Mm-hmm. And what better way than to read a few shorter books? Although that book looked pretty thick. So yeah, like I, I don't think those that. were that short. But so that is the book that she's about to read. So I hope that helps as we mm-hmm. figure this reference out. Well, and I think it's also telling that when Rory is talking about Don Powell, she says that Don Powell wrote things that Dorothy Parker got credit for, things that she, or that's something she has heard. Mm -hmm. But she also says, I don't want to hold that rumor against Don because I want to know if she's involved in the smear campaign. So in the end... Rory seems to be taking Dorothy Parker's side as her yes. preference, thinking, yes. not necessarily blaming it on Dawn, because she's not really sure Dawn took credit for it, mm-hmm. or said that Dorothy Parker was stealing from her, mm-hmm. but she's not sure she believes it about Don Powell uh-huh. writing Dorothy Parker quips. So, I found who... Made that original statement. Wait, what? Yeah. Okay. It is. A woman by the name of Diana Trilling. Mm -hmm. And she was a book critic. Mm -hmm. She wrote for The Nation. She was a film critic for The Nation, which is not a publication I'm familiar with. I've heard the name, but I do not follow it. Okay. Well, this is from, though, the New York Review of Books. And Diana Trilly, now, it was hard to find even this little bit, but this is what I got. So, in a 1987 issue, she is writing to the editors because one of New York Review of Books critics, Gore Vidal, which you mentioned. That's a name I've definitely heard before. So, he makes a reference to Diana, and it is... Although Powell received very little serious critical attention when she did get reviewed by a really serious person like Diana Trilling, Latrilling warns us that the book at hand is no good because of the discrepancy between the power of mind revealed on every page of her novel, The Locusts Have No King, and the insignificance of the human beings upon which she directs her excellent intelligence. And it goes on. So Diana says to this, Okay. So if you read this, you can't tell that I actually reviewed not just that book, but also another book by Powell, A Time to Be Born, six years earlier. And she was like, here's what I said about that book. And then there's Don Powell, who's, of course, no first novelist and should require no introduction to nation readers. Miss Powell is one of the wittiest women around. And our best answer to the familiar question, who really says the funny things for which Dorothy Parker gets credit? And then she just goes on, the central figure of A Time to Be Born, certainly not to be called its heroine, is the fabulous Amanda Keeler Evans. Anyway, she goes on to praise this book. So what she's saying in this instance is, okay, I didn't like her newer book, but I did like this other book. So I'm not, I did not diss Dawn Powell overall. I just critiqued one of her books. I liked her other one. So she was a much kinder reviewer than Dorothy Parker or Rory Gilmore was. That is for sure. 
Okay, so here's where this comes from. Who really says the funny things for which Dorothy Parker gets credit? It was in a 1942 review, and that, that is quoted by everyone else who ever talked about Don Powell. In all the articles I read, mm-hmm. they reference this. But there's nothing else that's given. But it seems that there is a familiar question, which that this is a familiar question, something that people ask. And she believes the answer is Don Powell. So that's where, hmm. but so she originated the answer of Don Powell. But as far as the question asking who says the funny things that Dorothy Parker gets credited for. So that is unclear. Is the big idea then that a lot of people in the 20th century and now 21st century have said <laughs> Dorothy Parker just couldn't be that witty. She had to be stealing some of her material from other people. Yeah. Okay. That is a big accusation. I mean, especially, I mean, I'm just thinking in the last few years, that is a thing that never goes away. There have been all sorts of conversations in comedy and stand up mm-hmm. comedy about people saying, you stole that joke from me, or this is a routine or a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, who was it? Amy Schumer was accused yeah. of stealing material from other people. And I'll be honest, I don't know if she did or not. So this is not me laying out a flat, like, Amy mm-hmm. Schumer stole work. So do your own research and make your own decision. Cause frankly, Although I think I did mention that earlier this season <laughs> oh did we talk about that and i'm completely forgetting mm-hmm. so there you well go. i just kind of threw it in there okay so yeah make your own mind up about that situation but yeah that's a conversation that never goes away Mm-hmm. so uh, who i i don't have the answer as far as if this is true but the New Yorker claims it was that Don Powell was put into our consciousness thanks to Tim Page and his efforts to have her work republished. But Rory doesn't just say, hey, Don Powell, she's cool. She also puts in there, by the way, another author totally stole her work. But she's not agreeing with it is the, mm-hmm. the thing. Rory is saying, oh, poor Dorothy, you know, for having that smear campaign against her. So maybe so she's not having it. Really, her issue is not with Don Powell, but it's with what did you say this author's name is? Diane Trilling. Diana Trilling. Diana Trilling. Maybe she is the person Rory has an issue with because she's saying mm-hmm. you're accusing Dorothy Parker of stealing work, and I don't buy it. And she did write this review in 1942, so you know more than 20 years before Don Powell died. So she was alive at the time but there's no there's nothing that i saw that said dawn and diana were in cahoots so many d names where is this yeah i know (laughs) wait are you saying diana wrote this review in the 1940s yes oh i was assuming it was a contemporary review no because so then explain to me because now i think i'm confused okay the the book written in the 90s about Don Powell. Mm-hmm. Whose consciousness was that in? Tim Page. 
Wait. Oh, in Rory's contest. Oh, I thought you were saying it was in Diana oh. Trilling had had just read this other book and she was writing a contemporary review, modern review mm. of Don Powell's work. Oh, this is ooh, that is so fascinating that she was alive during the same time as both Don and Dorothy. So one yeah. Dorothy Diana. <laughs> and so this really is a really long ago conversation people were mm-hmm. having. Okay, this is so great. I hello Taylor, please listen to your co-host and understand what she's saying. Okay, that is so fascinating. Well, pardon my misunderstanding because I was thinking that was only a modern conversation, mm. but this has yeah. been going on for 70 plus years. Yeah, so she the 1942 review that was where she answered the question. Who really says the funny things for which Dorothy Parker gets credited with? Miss Powell. And so Diana, she she wrote this response to the Gore Vidal. He didn't write this article until 1987 about her 1942 review. And then her response came out in 1988. Oh, so this is a very long, ongoing conversation. Yeah. Huh. Lasting there, that's just 40 years right there. Yeah. So she was still thinking about it. So, yeah, this is a long, this is an ongoing conversation. Lasted 45 years for these two people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And continued into Gilmore Girls. Mm -hmm. It's a conversation lasting almost as long as since we're having it today. Almost as long as A Star is Born is being remade. (laughs) What? The first version of A Star is Born came out in 1937, and it's being remade in 2018. Uh, And 1937, only a few years before 1942, when that review was first written. So, we're going to continue having this conversation with our two guests, who will... Give us some more insight in our bonus episode coming out next week. So, stay tuned for now. Yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned. So, Kyla, do you feel like we have solved this reference in terms of the context of Lane and Rory's conversation? I believe that we can say Don Powell was not part of a smear campaign. Diana Trilling came up with this answer in a review, not Dawn. Mm-hmm. So we can solve that part of the riddle mm-hmm. as far as why Dawn is credited with some of Dorothy's writings. That I cannot say. It's true. Well, I also feel like we need to have a little coda on the end of this. Mm-hmm. Because I think... And I know I'm a little biased because I'm the one who researched Dorothy Parker. But I think we need to talk about Dorothy Parker larger in the context of Gilmore Girls, not just in this scene. I would love to do that. This is not the only time Dorothy Parker is mentioned in Gilmore Girls. And there are several mentions to the Algonquin Roundtable in Gilmore Girls. Oh. And this is all in addition to Amy Sherman Palladino naming her production company, Dorothy yeah. Parker Drink Here. There are a lot of references to Dorothy How Parker. Many? Five? 
pen? Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six. Holy friends. To just cue you up, we cannot talk about all of these individually for a full episode. Again, because this would be a six-hour <laughs> episode, which actually sounds pretty fun because there's a lot to dig into. Mm-hmm. But we're going to give you the short and sweet version because ain't nobody got time for that. So, uh, what are you reading? The Portable Dorothy Parker. There's little in taking or giving. There's little in water or wine. This living, this living, this living was never a project of mine. Funny though, don't take what's mine. These came with my drinks. He put them down in front of me. I did not ask you to move them, did I? Whatever. Snappy comeback. Dorothy Parker know about you? Sick of people touching my stuff. But we have a real problem here. Oh, you think I don't know that? You think I sit around all day swapping witticisms with Robert Benchley at the Algonquin? Basically MySpace. But by invitation only. And it'll be like an online version of the Algonquin group, like throwing a party in your head where everyone you've ever wanted to talk to is there. Ira Glass, Sophia Coppola, Flaubert, Danger Mouse. Yeah, but then we snuck out the back door of the speakeasy and head straight for the Algonquin. How was Benchley? Drunk again. So... Listening to those, though, which I just realized this, which probably should have realized even earlier, Rory blames Don Powell. She's Team Dorothy, clearly. Mm-hmm. But she's also Team Don, but more Team Dorothy. Mm-hmm. Amy Sherman Palladino is clearly Team Dorothy because oh, it is yeah. not Don referenced. It is Dorothy. Yes. I could not find more references to Don Powell, but I All about could Dorothy. find... <laughs> multiple of these talking about how fun it would be to be at the Algonquin round table and how witty Dorothy Parker was and how she had so much good taste. Hmm. And I mean, this is the book you're going to keep in your purse. That is high praise. Yes, that <laughs> is one of Rory's 400 books mm-hmm. approximately. Yeah. And I think it's clever that ASP is using a Dorothy Parker reference in a scene where Rory is drunk. Not necessarily happy, but it is definitely an interesting parallel to Dorothy Parker's life. And Mm. drunkenness is a huge factor. Alcoholism is a huge factor and part of the conflict in A Star is Born. Mm. And of course, I've yet to see the 2018 version, but it is also something that carried over to the 1954 version. Mm -hmm. And that is the main conflict between in the 1937 version, which is very good, by the way, and free on Amazon Prime, between Janet Gaynor and Frederick March playing her husband. They're both actors and his career is failing because he can't get a hold of his alcoholism and Mm. it's thus impacting her career in a really negative way. Yeah. For example, in one really heartbreaking scene, she wins an Oscar And at the time, the Oscars were not televised. It was just a bunch of people at a hotel getting together, (laughs) patting themselves on the back, giving awards. And he shows up late in the middle of her speech, drunk, and interrupts her in front of the entire Hollywood community as she's winning this Oscar. And it's just alcoholism is something that is destroying her career and his career And we know it's something Dorothy Parker was unfortunately very familiar with in her own life. And now this is a moment where Rory is at her rock bottom 
and that's how it's living out. Hmm. Well, I understand why the scene was written as it was. Nice that they were like, Dom Powell, awesome writer, but like, don't smear Dorothy. She came up with her own stuff. Thank you very much. And if that is not enough evidence for you, Kyla, I have one more thing that is just the kicker for us. Oh my. I know. This episode just keeps going because Amy Sherman Palladino loves Dorothy Parker. (laughs) We are definitely going to put this in our Tumblr. This is an article from the Los Angeles Times that came out in 2001, just a few months after Gilmore Girls had been on the air. And it talks about how Lorelai's acerbic dialogue, using that word again, acerbic, might be explained by Sherman Palladino's obsession with legendary New Yorker writer Dorothy Parker. Mm. Here's a quote from ASP herself. Genius. Love her. Here's this bitter, boozy, and yet incredibly witty woman. I loved not only her writing style, I loved who she was, and I loved her shortcomings. And Lauren Graham is in this article, and Mm -hmm. she says she was so alone, too. There was nobody like her in her community, which we might disagree with if she had known Don Powell. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Amy Sherman Palladino goes on to say she had no support system at all. She would take money for writing assignments and then wouldn't do them. Everything about her always made me laugh, even the way she died. I mean, she was this big gin addict, and she didn't care. First it was, I'm going to die young. Then it was, I'm going to die youngish. And then she was, like, 80, and it was, apparently, I'm not dying young. (laughs) And she named her production company, Dorothy Parker Drink Here, as a last-minute name switch from The Devil's Concubine. Oh, my gosh. Oh, a ASP. little known fact right there in the Los Angeles Times uh, from 2001. was almost called the Devil's Concubine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Personally, I think this is a way better pop culture reference. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Dorothy Love. For sure. So please forgive my rambling, beautiful listeners, and my beautiful co-host, Because there's a lot to say about Dorothy Parker in (laughs) Uh the context of Gilmore Girls. Well, I feel, I feel a little bit of, I feel some camaraderie with Dawn Powell right now. So I just, I stand by her, but I don't think Amish and Palladino was smearing her. Not at all. Rora was just questioning if she was smearing Dorothy. (laughs) And she wasn't, okay? No, I it's think It's all good. Can they can all... all be friends. This is Diana's fault. Yes, Diana Trilling, come on. <laughs> and she can't speak for herself because she passed away in the 90s, but mm-hmm. come on. I think there's enough love for both DPs. It's true. Just like you can love every version of A Star is Born. Remakes are not necessarily a bad thing, especially when you have a story that is timeless about relationships and fame and artistry and following your dreams so taylor so kyla that's our show that's our show my goodness so much packed in there i know so much going on i think we both Mm -hmm. said we did a lot more research than we usually do because we both just got sucked (laughs) into their lives yeah yeah. Well, and you know, it's reading. <laughs> <laughs> we 
which seems harder for us, apparently. Well, then next time you should pick somebody who wrote a movie, because I have to say, that is why I really wanted to read about Dorothy Parker, because I really wanted to watch that movie. There it is. Watching Because I'm movies. so excited for the new one. <laughs> Guys, let us know what you thought. Let us know if you've heard this question yeah. about Dorothy and Dawn. Um, you can email us, so it's a show at gmail.com. Tweet at us at so it's a show. Tumblr, so it's a show podcast.tumblr.com. Um, that's where we're at. If you are team, hashtag team Dawn, you can tweet at me at Kyla Kathnedu, K Y L A C A R N E I R O. And if you are hashtag Team Dorothy or hashtag Team I Don't Need to Choose because we can love all the writers, <laughs> you can tweet at me at tblake24. And you guys, we're going to give you even more. If you haven't gotten enough Don and Dorothy, which how could you? Stay tuned or be get, check your podcast <laughs> feeds next week. Only one week. You won't have to wait two. Um, for a little bonus up, getting some more Dawn Dorothy info from Tim Page and Kevin Fitzpatrick. All right, guys, you've heard enough. Go home. The podcast is over. What are you still what? doing here? Which is a reference you now understand. Yeah, yeah. All right, here's a teaser for our next step. It's a long story. Just do me a favor. Sure. Keep an eye on my parents. Make sure they don't disrupt anything. My mother doesn't behead anyone. My father doesn't snore too loudly when he falls asleep. They're not going to do anything like that. I'm sorry, have you not met them? Why would they come and do that? They're here because Rory invited them. No. Yes, they can't say no to that little face. It's like hitting a puppy with a rolled-up newspaper. Hey, you guys are not going to believe this. You're Mr. Announcement Guy today. What, are you going to pipe in every time I talk? Can it? Stuff it. They're in love. Clearly. So Mrs. Gutbucks out there not only has a cameraman, she's got a sound guy, too. Oh, no. It's like a Baz Luhrmann movie out there. That's Emily, right? Don Powell. Don Powell? Okay. <laughs> Is I'm that sorry. funny? I've got the giggles. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know why. I just. Oh, I'm crying. <laughs> oh, no. This might oh. be a worthy outtake. Diggity dong, pop, 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 pow.